You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I am Lisa Wysocki, and today I am in Pleasant View, Tennessee. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for November 16th, episode 3061. This episode is brought to you by State Line Tack. Good morning, Horse World. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to have a interesting show for you today. Uh, the first part of the show is going to be a little more serious than we usually do because we have a lot of serious things to cover. And then uh, we're going to lighten it up a little at the end. We have eventer Lainey Ashkers joining us to honor Rob Bowersox, host of Major League Eventing, the podcast over there. In our Daily Dose Horse Health segment, Dr. Tanya Cubitt from Performance Horse Nutrition joins us to talk about winter forage. Plus, we have some bad news from Flyover Farm. And we're going to end the show on a lighter note, though, talking about the breeds of horses we think are best for beginners. But right now, oh, and also in the Auditor Post Show, we have a new show coming to the stage. We're going to talk about that, too. But right now, we have one of our, our friends who's been on the show many times with us in the past. Matter of fact... Probably her mother's been on the show more often. And that's Lainey Ashker, the eventers, joining us today. Hi, Lainey. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good. You know, thank you. I contacted you this morning to do this, and you were so kind to postpone a lesson to do it, and I really appreciate that. We had bad news Absolutely. in the eventing world, in the horse world, and the podcast world. And uh, two days ago, I guess, Rob Bowersox, um, we found out, passed away. He was host of the Major League Eventing Show, which was the the eventing show out there. And I've known him from the podcasting side of things. We've talked since he started his podcast. And actually, in the last two weeks, we've talked about him uh, bringing his show onto the network now that we're with Equine Network. Um so I know everybody in eventing knew him. What you know? What was his place over there? I mean, Rob is a Rob is a legend. You know, um, I mean, I, I read the news and um, and JJ Solomon, who is a another legend in our sport. Uh, she's a, a really great photographer uh, and kind of goes around and freelances and is a cheerleader for all the um, professionals and uh, amateurs alike. Had made a post and. I was quite um, awestruck. I'd just seen him a couple of weeks ago. And um, when, I, when I read the news, I was taken aback. And, um, you know, you, you, when you see someone, you just never think about how short life can be. Um, and I, you know, the biggest thing about Rob is whenever you see him, he, he always has a smile on his face. And I remember when he approached me, gosh, I couldn't even give you the, I, I couldn't even give you the year, but I was, I was still riding four stars <laughs> or excuse me, five stars. A long time ago, um, and um, still had Anthony Pass going, and um, he approached me about um, being one of the first to come onto this uh, podcast that he had just created, Major Major League Eventing, and um, I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. There's not that many podcasts, so let's let's get into it. He's like, let's, you know, you just let me know how how deep I can go, and how you know, can I get into the nitty gritty of your life? And I was like, sure, and. You know, the way he and Karen um, did this interview uh, was so heartfelt. I never felt like they were attacking me. Um, I never felt like they were um, insincere in any way. And, you know, it, it was it was a really intimate approach to sort of my life in the sport. And it ended up having so many hits on it. And, um, and people really reached out to me and were touched by the interview. And it just was a conversation between three friends. And, and, and honestly, I wish all interviews were like that. And, um, and, and that's kind of, you know, I, I like to say is my claim to fame. Um, I was one of the very first um, interviews on that podcast. And at first I didn't really get it. I was like, what's this major league? I thought it was, is this like baseball? You know, that's what, what I thought it? too. I when he big, said the name, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. He, he's a big, he's a big, uh, you know, fan of just sports in general. Um, not to mention he's a, he's a veteran, um, just a good good old American, um, you know, you know, loves our country as a father, his son's a phenomenal rider, an amazing husband. Um, but just, 
just a cheerleader and a, and a sports enthusiast and a, and a, and a great man. And, and we just, we've lost such a bright light in not just eventing, but, but in, in our, in, in humans in general. And I'm, he, he is going to be hugely missed, hugely missed at all the events. And I'm, I'm so sad about, about his, his passing. You know, when I was sick for a couple of years here recently, um, he would reach out to me probably once a month. See how I was. Just yep. check in on me. Yep. You know, we we never actually met in person. Obviously, we were in the same space. You know, there's not a ton of podcasts out there. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, we would talk all the time about podcasting and things like that. But he was he, he reached out to me as I said at least once a month during the, during those two years just to see how I was. Um, that's yeah. the kind of guy he was. Uh, you know, and he got into the podcasting thing because of Joe, right? His son Joe worked with yeah. Boyd Martin for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. His son, his son continues to work for Boyd super riders is kind of his, um, works right under Boyd and, um, has really moved up in the sport and a super, super rider. In fact, he came out and tried one of my horses that was for sale. It was really fun to have them at my farm. And, um, you know, it's, that's kind of what's gotten the family into the sport. And so we're so lucky that to have them involved and, um, I know they'll stay involved. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, there's so many stories, uh, that his people have posted on Facebook. Um, I was reading that, you know, Jimmy Schramm after their, uh, after their fire, you know, the very first person to drive up their, you know, driveway was, um, was, you know, Rob, how, how can I help? What can I do? You know, put me to work. And just that kind of person that's so selfless, um, is just such a special person. There's not many people out there because our sport as any sport is a very selfish sport and you have to do for you because we're taking, constantly taking care of our horses. And it's a, you know, if you, if you're not selfish, it's a life, you know, it's a life or death type of sport. You have to be selfish, but here comes a person like Rob that is all about what can I do to help you? You know, like, you know, your, your story of, you know, how he's asking you how you're doing and, um, that that's the type of person he was. And it is there's just not that many people like him anymore. And, um, uh, yeah, I just he is going to be sorely missed. Doesn't it always seem like like the bright lights that they they just always go young? I, I don't know why that is, but the people yeah. that are so dynamic, we lose them what, yeah. so so soon. Absolutely, absolutely. My mom always likes to tell me that you know um, there's someone higher higher up needed them a little bit more than we needed them down here. You know, they were there was a job. A, a, a bigger job for them up in heaven. And so it's, you know, there's, there's no way to make right or wrong of it, but it's a, a little bit of an easier way to sort of grapple with it, you know, you, for us mere mortals here on earth. Your mom, they're, they're going to keep her down here as long as possible. She is a force of nature, <laughs> your mother. <laughs> yes, she is. Yes, she is. <laughs> we got to know yeah, her really well right. when she did the ride across the country because she used to come on the show like every week or so. And, uh, you know, that was, we, so we were, we were in touch with her for a long time. She is a force of nature. I love her. Well, yeah, I think she was actually on, on Rob's show as well for that. And and he was very um, supportive of that. Um, so, uh, you know, along with her doing the national anthems and stuff, like I said, he was a really big, um, you know, advocate of anything that was, you know, lifting up the country and, um, you know, as a patriot, being a veteran and stuff. So, yeah, we always we always had great conversations about that. Well, from all of us at the Horse Radio Network and Laney and everybody, we wish uh, the family the best. We're thinking about you guys, and if there's anything we can help with, please do let us know. Before we yeah. let you go, I have a quote from one of your posts that I want to read. Uh, it says, it's taken 38 years, countless polls, hundreds of refusals, tons of buck-offs, 57 broken bones, lots of broken relationships, countless tears, and literally hundreds of horse shows, and I finally won my first FEI event. Congratulations, Yay! girl! That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I think it's still a little bit of a shock. It's been almost, uh, it's been a, 10 days, and I still don't really, yeah, it's uh, it's not really set in, and it's it's silly for a two star, but it's uh, yeah. I've I've been the bridesmaid many many times, <laughs> second place, second place. But this time I got the ring. I I, I was the bride, so it was uh, it was fun. It went led from start to finish on a really really lovely horse that I that I got um, uh, last year and brought her up as a four year old. I got her as a four year old, and now she's a six year old, and 
Um, yeah, really, really lucky to have the ride on this horse. But you know so, what? Well, she's six years old. You, you know, by the time she's ten, we'll be watching you in Kentucky again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have high hopes for her. She's she's taken me. Um, she's got so much talent in a different breed. Um, you know, she's sixty five percent blood, but she is warm blood. And um, she's Dutch bred, and uh, she's just been a lot, a lot of talent, and she's super hot, and um, a lot of hind end power, and just just a different ride that I've been accustomed to. So I've kind of had to learn how to ride her and train her, and um, so there's been quite of a learning curve. But uh, it's been fun, and you know what a what a great what a rewarding way to finish the year. I, I mean, I, I didn't go into the you know show you know wanting to win. I just wanted to do the best I could, and you know, and, and just all my training kind of came together. And it's nice to celebrate those things because how many times in horses, in whatever horse sport, do you do everything right and it doesn't come together? You know, and so the one time it, it did, and so you just you just say, you know what, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take this win, and I'm going to enjoy it, and that's you know, I'm 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 doing just that because, like I said, the times are we do it not because we make money, not because we win everything every week, and we do it because we just love horses, oh, and exactly. it's just it's icing on the cake. Yeah, you know, it's icing on the cake that it happened to to be a win, and I know everybody everybody was cheering. Um, I think they were equally as happy and it really, I really felt the support, not just from people at the show, but over the internet, over the phone. Um, it was, it was very special. So in the, in the moment that you won, what was going through your mind? Well, I, as soon as I jumped the last jump, I, I was, I was, I said, wait, I didn't have a pull at the last jump. (laughs) Can this be real? Um, so, uh, yeah. And once it set in, um, that I actually won, even though it still really hasn't set in, um, there's a new, a new found confidence in myself that it actually can be done. Cause I think after such a long time, um, you know, like I said, I've been, I mean, I've been going at the top level for such, such a long time, but you kind of begin to think that second place is actually first place. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll come out next year, you know, now that I have had a win at the FEI level. I mean, like I said, I, I've won lots of national shows, um, but to win at the FEI level is yeah. a whole new ball game. And, and um, I'll have a little bit of a newfound, um, you know, feather in my cap and maybe a little bit more air of confidence um, to go in knowing, knowing that, that actually I can do it. And, um, but like I said, when it all comes together, it's, you know, yes, it's a lot of, we all work hard at this level and there, no one doesn't work hard to get to that level. I think a lot of it is a little bit of luck too, you know, cause there's just, sometimes you just unlucky. So I'm just really grateful that it all worked out and, and it played and the cards played in my favor that weekend. You yeah. know? Well, sometimes, so, sometimes it all just lines up and everything goes right. Yeah. And, and you had your day. I'm, I'm just so proud of you. So congrats. Well, when Thank I saw you. your post, you what struck me is that sentence that I just read should be put on a put on a plaque and hung in the uh, the, the USEF halls because <laughs> it just says it all you know it said everything it, yeah. it explained the the part that nobody sees when you win that right, right. yes uh, and right. but and the yeah, other thing is you're a freaking nightmare when it comes to horse husbands because you're a horse husband nightmare. Fifty-seven broken bones—that's a nightmare for horse husbands. I used to hate oh my watching God, my yeah. wife ride cross country. Oh, it was just awful. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think it goes to show you. You know, there's a lot of kids that you know they get in it, they have a fall, they want to quit, or they. And I think what people have to understand in anything, and this is this is life in general it takes a lot of work, you know, in the music industry, my mom was big into the music industry, um, you know, ensuring business and anything that you do, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of, a lot of hours that you don't see people put into it. Um, and then all of a sudden you see this person come out into the world, like, wow, you know, where did they come from? Well, they've actually been there the whole time. You just haven't seen them. Um, and so, you know, in, in my case, you know, people have seen me, I've been going at the five-star level since I was 18 years old. Um, you know, but, but what you haven't seen or, you know, I, I muck the stalls, you know, I ride 10 horses a day, you know, I, I teach lessons, I teach clinics, 
you know, all, all those things incorporate, you know, the 10,000 hours in the saddle where you hope to become, you know, you funnel visioned and, and it just becomes like clockwork. Yep. Um, and then at the end of the day, it's just got to line up, you know, and sometimes, you know, it doesn't line up. So I just want to do that post for people to understand that, you know, sometimes it doesn't line up, but sometimes it does. And it just, it, it takes many, many, many years to become this overnight success and don't quit. If this is what you want, don't quit. You just got to keep inching away. And that's what it is. It's not, it's not, one day you're just going to appear. It's just, you got to keep chipping away, chipping away, chipping away and believing in it. And it will happen. You know, um, it's just not going to, you can't buy this made horse and it's going to happen. You just got to put in your hours and put in your time and effort. Well said. Congratulations. You know, long distance hikers have a saying, don't quit on a bad day. You know, when it's been yeah, pouring right. down rain for a week and, you you know, it's just the worst yeah. day you've had on the trail. You know, you wake up the next day and it's sunshine. Quit on the sunny day, not the bad day. Um, and, Absolutely. you know, that's true of anything we do in life. And congratulations to you. Well done, girl. We, pre- we appreciate you, you joining guys. us this morning. You have a lesson waiting right now that really wants to see you. So we'll, <laughs> let, you, we'll let you get to that. <laughs> Thanks, Lainey. Thank you, guys. Appreciate Bye-bye. it so much. Well, I so appreciate her coming on. As I said, I contacted her like 6 o'clock this morning. I knew she'd be wow. up. Yeah, horse people are. Uh, so now, why is Jamie not on the show today? Uh, I know all the regular listeners are going, hey, Jamie was supposed to be here today because we exactly. talked about it on Monday. So I got a, a text yesterday from Jamie, and she wanted me to share this with all of you this morning so she didn't have to. But uh, her mare, her broodmare Pink, lost her baby yesterday. Remember, she said she was having some trouble with it. Uh, she lost her baby yesterday, and unfortunately, she has to take Pink today to the vet to get Pink put down. This is horrible news. <laughs> I know. I don't know more details than that. That's all I really know. I really didn't want to call her. She wasn't in the mood to talk. Um, <clears throat> but she, she's Jamie. So she still wanted to come on the show, then do the show this morning. She said, I'll do the show. And I talked her down from that ledge. Um, and, you know, she's, she's, she had to drive the vet and do all of that. So I, I contacted Lisa and Lisa, thank you for filling in at the very <laughs> You're last welcome. minute. It's all You're last welcome. minute today. It um, is. And I knew we were going to be talking about Rob, and I thought, well, Jamie's not going to be able to handle that today. So um, Jamie was a guest on their show recently. <clears throat> so yeah, it, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, when, when you're putting oh. a horse down, that that's a lot. Well, especially she's had this horse forever, you know. I know, you know, and you know, done so much with this horse. So our, you know, our thoughts are with her too. It's just tough. It's just a tough one. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I'm hoping that talking about it today, we don't have to talk about it because she's not going to be in the place to talk about it. So she wanted me to yeah. share that all with you today. Also, uh, she wanted me to tell the listeners and auditors that she sends everybody a heartfelt thank you for the blanket donations to the Horse and Hound Rescue. She had posted the other day that they're long on horses and short on blankets. So, and they had snow coming to Oklahoma and, you know, all of that. And apparently the listeners really came through and the auditors did. So she wanted to thank you all for that. Isn't Uh, that great, Glenn? I mean, really, the listeners and the auditors, they always come through. They do, every time. Yeah, and yeah. I, I on a, we're trying to go negative positive here. <laughs> so <laughs> my positive is I I talked to the director of sales over at Equine Network yesterday. Matter of fact, it was during the weekly sales meeting where there's like thirty people uh, at Equine Network, and I'm involved in that. And he said. Your listeners are are. He didn't use the word rabid, but that's what he meant. Because <laughs> um, he was at Equine Affair, and he said we met more of your listeners, and they and your hosts, and just auditors and everybody up there, and they are they are. What do you, I wish I could remember the word he used, but it was something like addicted or you know really yeah really yeah. oh enthusiastic. They are a very enthusiastic group. <laughs> <laughs> so you impressed uh, the people from Equine Network by stopping by their booth. So thank you for doing that. Appreciate that. He was very impressed by all of that. Um, he should be. Yeah, he, he should. should be. <clears throat> That's yes. right. Darn yes. it. Okay, one more thing. <laughs> um, it's like a roller coaster today. I've yeah. also seen several posts of listeners and friends of mine who are going through some pretty tough times right now. Um, there's there's a health 
page for auditors and just in the auditor room in general, you know, having tough times with themselves with health or, you know, uh, on the mental side, physical side, whatever, with their horses and all kinds of things. And I did see that three or four of them were Lyme disease related. Um, and, you know, for new listeners that may not know, I've been dealing with that for almost 20 years. I have chronic Lyme in the day <clears throat> when I got it, they didn't know really any much about it. Uh, and I didn't even test positive for a couple of years. So it was too late. You know, I was going to have chronic Lyme because it was too late to do anything about it. I was on IVs for a year and <clears throat> on and off. I couldn't drive for a year. I could barely function for a year. Jennifer, without Jennifer, I, I wouldn't have functioned for a year. I worked when I could. I never left the house pretty much. And uh, there's some people going through that right now that I saw uh, that are friends and listeners. And I just wanted to recommend a couple of resources to you. It is hard. And it, it leads to depression. It leads to just everything. Because Lyme disease is one of those diseases that it's not one thing. It's not, you know, my left arm is going to hurt today. Uh, Lyme disease affects everybody differently, and it affects me differently. I still get monthly bouts of it, and it affects me differently every month. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'll have different symptoms every month. And that's the problem with Lyme disease is there's a million symptoms. And you may get some right now, and another month you'll have different ones. And so you always think it's something different when, in fact, it's the Lyme. And that's depressing, right? I mean, you know, as I said, I've been dealing with this for a long time. And I was very depressed for a long time. Uh, because you just don't feel like you're winning the battle. And you're right. you're not really, right? You're you're still fighting the battle. You're not ever winning the battle. So, uh, you know, diet is really what helped me the most. And I'm about to go through my purge diet, so I'm going to be pretty grumpy for a month, because um, <laughs> that's basically back to nuts, you know, and, and yeah. it's it's very basic. Um, so, you know, those purges actually do help me, and then I need to try and maintain myself a little better. I'm not starting the diet till after Thanksgiving, though, because I'm going to cheat until then. That, that's smart. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be too that's much true. to expect. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to quit again on Thanksgiving, or Christmas Day. <clears throat> but there you go. There's a couple... Resources that I'm going to recommend to the newly limed people. Um, one is the Lyme Disease Support Group on Facebook. Uh, and I'll put links to all of these in the show notes on today. Just scroll on your podcast player and you'll find them. Now, the one thing I would warn you about this particular Facebook group is it's kind of like any health horse health group that you'll find. Uh, there are some wacky people in there, and there are some <laughs> wacky people with wacky remedies for everything. But if you weed through the wacky, um, and you, you actually will find some good information. So, uh, there are some weird stuff, you know, in alternative medicine in that room. Um, so you, you have to weed through on your own on that, but it is a pretty good group for realizing that you're not the only one going through the exact same th symptoms, right? So right. it, it does make you feel not so alone. Uh, Lime Ninja Radio, <coughs> excuse me, is a podcast that, uh, I was on years ago. And they're still going. They're the podcast for the Lyme disease world. It's called Lyme Ninja Radio. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And then one for really good, solid scientific information is LymeDisease.org. That's where they cover all the latest. And there's a lot. The po positive side of this, we're going to try and end on a positive again. The positive side of this is for once Lyme disease is being taken seriously, and they're doing a ton more research on on vaccines, on cures, on all different kinds of things, and they're making progress. So I think in the next five years, we're going to see some medicines and some things that that we had no hope of seeing 15 years ago when nobody cared. That's really good news. <clears throat> so there are some positives going on. Um, so check out, that's Lyme disease. Dot org. And this is, I'm talking people Lyme now, you know, uh, obviously we've talked about horse Lyme many times in the past. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's get on heart off of that stuff and on to the more fun stuff here. Let's do some daily winnies. Ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> we have two auditors with birthdays today, Kayla and Terry. Happy birthday to both of you. I know I think both of them have been around a long time in the auditor room, so happy oh, birthday absolutely. to you guys. Also, congratulations to Mary Kitzmiller. You know, you hear her here once a month hanging out with uh, Jennifer, talking training. Well, her challenge mule, Samuel, won first place in the competition they were in, uh, and Samuel's going to be up for adoption. She, she loves dealing with mules and working with mules, and we're so excited that she gets to win one here. By the way, that paid $5,000. for Bruce That's Bruce. awesome. Yeah, that's pretty good, yeah. too. So congratulations to Mary Kitzmiller. We're proud of you, girl, and keep it up. So, Glenn, my daily winnie goes to the ginormous buck that jumped out in front of my truck and chose not to run into my truck <laughs> yesterday. That's a nightmare. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's a nightmare all around. We have deer all over the place, but I, har- I mostly see the does and the babies. I hardly ever see a buck. And this guy had a rack. I, 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 it happened so fast, I couldn't. You know, but he knew count, hunting but, season was moving or coming, so he is moving. Oh, he is moving, <laughs> and he was moving fast, and he jumped out right in front of me and stopped and turned like to face me, and I'm like uh, hitting the brakes and going sideways and trying to go like in the ditch and not go around him, and and but I mean he could have come right into my truck and and i'm so glad he didn't wasn't this your new truck you just got it is it is it it was one my truck it's the colby's army truck and so i'm like oh no and it was one of those like you're sitting on the side of the road just heart thumping i was gonna say how how long did your heart stop (laughs) yeah for for a long time and and i mean seriously it was a couple minutes before i was like okay i can drive and that was only like a mile from the farm and it was it was total scary yesterday. (laughs) Well, I am so glad that uh, he got away and you got away. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so what he did, I, while I'm sitting there, he, he jumped, there was a house on the left and the house had a fenced yard with one of those like chain link fences. And he jumped into their, their yard and he was just hanging out there. (laughs) There So looking at me, I'm like, new pet. (laughs) Mommy, look, we got a new pet out in the front yard. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, oh, and we've anyway. you know we lived in deer country too in Pennsylvania, and my God, I mean that they just come out of nowhere. They do, they do, and and it's it's just it just scares the crap out of you. And I've had a couple of deer that have hit me, and 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 I say hit me, not I have hit them. I've been like almost at a standstill, and they've hit the side of the truck. So, it yeah. <laughs> Jennifer's brother has a record. He used to drive an hour through the mountains in Pennsylvania to work, and I think he destroyed like ten cars. Uh, really, you know, the deer. And you're right; they would come out and come through the side window, or you know, they would yes. just jump out and hit your front corner bumper. And you know, he had so many. <laughs> just yeah, that's one of the yeah. reasons they moved closer to his work is so he'd stop hitting deer. It's oh my like, goodness! <laughs> well, his his insurance company probably appreciated. Yeah, that. they were sick of him too. <laughs> Well, I'm glad that that worked out. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, let's uh, talk a, a little bit about a brand new show that's coming to the Horse Radio Ooh. Network. This is the first transfer over from Equine Network. It's a show that's very popular over there. And I got a chance to talk to the host, who's quite delightful. Well, I have Chelsea here, who's one of the brand new hosts on the Horse Radio Network, but she's been hosting for quite a while over on Equine Network, and she has probably the most popular show on Equine Network. It's called The Score. Hi, Chelsea. Hey, Glenn. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, You know, yours is uh, the first show that we're bringing over to the Horse Radio Network, and uh, listeners, you can find it now at horseradionetwork.com. You can find it in the all shows feed. So if you get the all shows feed with every episode of every show, you're going to find it showing up in there and it'll be on the Horse Radio Network app very shortly. Tell us about the score. What is it? Well, I don't know. For some of your listeners, it might be an acquired taste. The score is the Team Roping Journals podcast uh, that covers all things team roping. We like to say it's where team ropers talk. Um, And it is about, you know, if you're 
listeners are familiar with team roping, there's a header, there's a healer, and the score is the head start that the steer gets in the run. So it's a it's a Q&A format, of course, or a conversation format, depending on how good the team roper is at talking. Um, <laughs> and uh, we cover mostly professional team roping. Uh, and the, That's the a thing, by there. the way, for us on the English side, professional team roping. It, it is actually, uh, and so I'll educate you here. It's, okay. it's, of course, there is professional team roping, um, and that's very popular, but it is also the uh, the largest recreational sport in the world, the richest, rec- excuse me, the richest recreational sport in the world in the team roping space. You I mean, mean money winning wise? Money winning wise, yes, absolutely. Um, okay, all the English r- riders uh, look at the Western world and rodeo and go, if only. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, you know, I, I did a story for the Team Roping Journal's December issue and the World Series of Team Roping finale, which is one of our events that we put on, is the fifth richest equine event in the world um, behind uh, the Dubai World Cup, the the ever the Tab Everest in Australia, the Breeders, Ga- uh, the Breeders Cup and the Saudi Cup. So, yes, it is real, Where real big money. Where does all the money come from? Oh man, not me. That's for sure. I don't know. It comes from it's entry fees that people put up on their own uh, because they just love gambling in this competition of team roping. Uh, It is it is golf for cowboys is another uh, way we like to say it. Uh, But amateur golfers can't win money and amateur team ropers can win a lot of money. Uh, You know, like I said, our finale is coming up. It's going to be the largest roping in history. It's going to give away $14 million. Um, Pretty much $14 million. $14 million in Las Vegas at the South Point uh, Hotel and Equestrian Center. Yes. uh, We're two weeks away right now from that. Dear God. So you just said a lot of things that somebody outside that world have no, we had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I know your show's very popular. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is. Uh, I, Denny Gentry, who is the godfather of the sport of team roping, once told me that if you can get a thousand team ropers to pay attention to something, that that's really doing it. Um, And, you know, we get 4,500 a week listening to the score. So I'm really excited. And, And now hopefully maybe some of your audience might want to listen to us chit chat about team roping horse pedigrees and payouts and crossfire rules and. Oh, I don't know, all kinds of things I could throw at you that I would probably also need to provide a glossary for. Yes, because I'm lost already. (laughs) So tell me, what's your history? Were you involved in rodeo? Where'd you come in from the horse world? I grew up in Western Pennsylvania um, in a steel town, uh, Vandergrift, Apollo, Pennsylvania uh, is where I grew up. Uh, But I... I came to it because my my mom uh, grew up kind of poor and always wanted horses as a little girl. And she was a school teacher and could do, you know, could take care of me and spoil me because I was an only child. And she signed me up for a YMCA horseback riding lesson when I was four. And that changed the course of everybody's life. That little YMCA show jumping lesson that I took. I mean, obviously at four, it wasn't show jumping at the time, but an English, English riding lesson. And I started, I wanted to wear bright colors and go really fast and I had no fear. So, uh, I went the barrel racing route and, uh, barrel racing is wildly popular back in Pennsylvania. Huge shows, actually a lot bigger than, than the shows in the barrel races here in Colorado. So I ran barrels. I went to college for journalism. Uh, I thought I was going to work in Africa. I did all my internships in Africa, but there really? just weren't, there was not enough rodeo. Um, Where in Africa? So, um, I did my two journalism internships in South Africa and I used to work for a horse vet in Cairo, Egypt. And then I, uh, uh, my minor was Swahili. So I thought I would do. Okay. Who's minor? Are you the only one in the country that had a minor in Swahili? I don't know. There was a huge (laughs) African studies program at my college, so maybe not. Uh, So, uh, but I graduated during the crash, you know, in, in 2000 and in 2010, the, we were in the middle of a recession and, uh, all my friends were going to work at the Boston Globe and the Washington Post for free. Um, and I had horses to feed and could not afford to go work for free anywhere. And the equine network who I'm still with today had an opening, uh, for, and so that's how I got into it and dated enough team ropers along the way that I kind of 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's really the connection, weird. huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, barrel racing and team roping are pretty connected, but uh, so I, yeah, I learned enough lingo and uh, got hooked enough along the way. Fascinating life. See, I didn't know any of that about you. The whole Africa <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, I, I get pegged as the dumb team roping girl sometimes, but I, I do think that there was a little bit more to me once upon a time. <laughs> And still is. And still is. (laughs) Thanks. So you can find it. It's called The Score. And -hmm. you can find it at any podcast player. As I said, it'll be on the Horse Radio Network app very shortly. They're updating that now. Uh, Also on horseradionetwork.com. And in the All Shows feed is where you can find The Score as well. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Glenn. I appreciate it. Well, this episode is brought to you by Stateline Tack. You know, we were talking about blankets and things and winter coming, and they're having a big snowstorm in the Northeast, and New York and New England are expecting 36-plus inches, and all of a sudden you've gone into your barn and into the tack room, and there's that trunk in the back that has the blankets that you haven't looked at since last year and <laughs> probably have mice droppings all over them. And you yeah. look in the box and you go, oh, I didn't wash my blankets. And then you start pulling them out, and not only are they dirty, they have big holes in them that you forgot about because that's selective forgetting because you didn't want to have to spend money on a new blanket. And then you go, oh, darn, I got to get on and order one right away. StatelineTac.com. Right now on the homepage is a big blanket uh, banner where you can find a sale on a lot of different types of blankets, uh, from Gatsby to Weatherby to Rambo to Rhino, all different types of blankets. They have like 10 different pages of blankets. You can find that right on their homepage. But get your order in today. One of the things that people don't realize is when, when as a store, I know because we used to have a store, you order your blanket shipment in for the year. That's all you get. A lot of times the the places like Weatherbeater will sell out. So what you get in is what you can sell, and then once you're sold out, you're sold out. So it's not like an infinite supply of blankets. So get your orders in early is what I'm saying to make sure you get the blanket that you want. And one thing about the new blanket styles is the colors. There's a million different colors now where it used to be green, yeah. blue, and black. You know, those were the colors we had. Or remember in the old uh, blanket days when they were those yellowish canvas things? Oh, yes, yes, (laughs) yes. Way back in the day. Yeah, that's all they had way back in the day, people. They didn't have fancy blankets. They had these yellow canvas things that weighed about 3,000 pounds when they got wet. (laughs) Yes, yes. And they never dried out. No. We've come a long way. Yeah, we have in blankets, that's for sure. <laughs> God, I remember when I first met Jennifer, that's what it was. So check it out today, statelinetack.com for all your blanketing needs. And now we're going to head to our horse health segment. And this brought to you by Daily Dose Inquine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. Well, we're so happy to welcome back Dr. Tanya Cupid with uh, Performance Horse Nutrition. She is a uh, equine nutritionist there, and we're going to be talking about equine um, winter equine forage because it's that time of year, and our horses' diets have changed. So, welcome to Horses in the Morning. I am excited to be back. That's awesome. You know. Um, all the horses are switching over from from pasture to hay, and that creates a big change in their diet and, and everything. Can you tell us a little bit more about what happens with all of that from fresh grass just to hay? Yes, and it's great that you bring up pasture because the first thing that we worry about in the fall when we go away from that fresh pasture to eating primarily dry stored hay is impaction colic Mm. because pasture is about 80% moisture when it's actively growing. So in the spring and fall uh, and hay is 90% dry matter. So we get just an overall dehydration of the gastrointestinal tract. Some horses are more susceptible to the, than others. Some horses, you can set your calendar by it. Um, and with those, we just want to add more moisture to the gut, whether you're adding a wet mash uh, daily or you're wetting the feed or you're putting a little salt in your horse's feed just to encourage water intake. Um, then that is, that is the first thing when it comes to winter feeding uh, as we're going into winter and changing what we're feeding. That's the first thing we think about. Well, that's interesting that you mentioned water, too, because I noticed that our horses drink so much more water when they're eating hay than when they're they're grass, even when it's hot in the summer. 
Exactly, because out of the pasture, they get a lot of moisture, but out of the hay, they do not. And we don't want them to get moisture out of hay because then it has a higher likelihood of, of molding if it's a little damp. The other thing with uh, horses that are dehydrated, the first thing that I always do is try to get them to eat some hay because it will encourage them to drink water. And it actually acts as a little bit of a water holding uh, reservoir in the hindgut. So. Oh, that's interesting. And, you know, the other thing that I think is is uh, a problem for a lot of people, particularly in the colder climates, is, you know, how do you keep your horses warm? And, and you know, we talk about blanketing, we talk about stalling, and we talk about everything. But But horses can generate heat by eating hay, right? Yes, they can. And it's not really the horse itself, but it's the microbes. Uh, that live in the hindgut, so from we go from the, the mouth down the esophagus into the stomach, then the small intestine, and from there, the rest of the digestive tract, which includes the cecum, the large colon, and the small colon, all makes up the hindgut of the horse, and that's where the fermentation occurs, and it's all kinds of bugs, yeast, fungi, like collectively, we call that the microbiome, and when they ferment that forage and release things like volatile fatty acids that your horse will use for energy. A byproduct is that they create heat. So Interesting. The simplest, simplest way to keep your horse warm in the wintertime is to feed it hay, plenty of hay, and also different varieties of hay because those bugs want to eat a variety of different uh, forages and, and uh, uh, pasture grass species. In the wild, a horse wouldn't just eat one type of forage. And in the wintertime especially, I'm not opposed to a more stemmy forage being added into your program um, because the harder those bacteria have to work to break that down, the more heat that they create. I find that really interesting because um, I think a lot of people, they they have one source of hay and they, they get their hay in for the year and that's that's what they're feeding. So uh, so maybe if they're feeding a grass hay, would it help to occasionally supplement with, with a legume or vice versa? Um, <clears throat> I, I always like to have a variety of different hays. So if my foundation is my local grass hay that I can get, I have access to in not quite an abundance, but at least in, as much as I need, then absolutely buying in um, a little bit of better quality hay, whether it be in baled hay or whether it be in bagged or pelleted or cubed forms, because sometimes they're a little easier for us mm-hmm. to access. Um, it's all fiber, you know, even adding beet pulp. It's another type of fiber. What we need to remember is, so I mentioned the word mash earlier and for a lot of people, that means I'm going to do it once a week. Whatever you're going to do, whether it be a mash or adding in um, some alfalfa pellets or cubes or whatever, you have to do it every day. Horses are routine animals. The bugs in the gut want the same thing every day. They want it to be routine. So, Okay. Okay, so you mentioned the pellets and the cubes, um, and we have one horse who is is supplemented with um, an alfalfa Timothy pellet mix. So is is there any difference between the pellets and the cubes? Is one better than the other in general? When it comes to the nutritional value, no. Um, If you take Timothy grass hay and you make it, you bale it into a bale or you chop it up and feed it as chop or then you grind it and put it in a pellet or grind it a little less finely and put it in a cube. Nutritionally, they are all exactly the same. Where the difference lies is in the actual physical chewing of that that forage. Um, long stem hay is always better because they take a lot longer to chew it. They have a really what we call wide jaw sweep. You know, the bottom jaw is somewhat independent of that first. The top jaw, and it works in a circular motion. So the longer the the stem length, the more even they wear their teeth because they've got a big wide jaw sweep, and it's going to grind across all surfaces of the top teeth. And then when they're chewing, they produce a lot of saliva, which buffers the stomach acid. The shorter the fiber length, whether we go to a chop or a pellet or a cube, then the less chewing we do, the less even the dental wear, uh, the less saliva that is produced, and then we have, you know, an issue with gastric ulcers and that kind of thing. So, ideally, long stem hay, but 
as I say to everybody, feeding horses is actually really easy, but that's not what we do on a daily basis because feeding horses also means I have to fit into, as a nutritionist talking to a client, I have to fit into their budget and their management. And so having, you know, I've worked out that over five months of winter, that sounds super scary, but there's kind of a little bit of, for me coming from Australia, that sounds awful, but we've got kind of the fall mud season and then we have winter and then the spring mud season that we are all, we don't want them out on pasture. So we're feeding all this hay and I've worked out that very, very conservatively, you're at about a little over a ton of hay per horse. And that's feeding only one and a half percent of their body weight, so 15 pounds for an average 1,000-pound horse. When you buy hay, your money, you're buying large quantities. It's great. You usually get a discount when you can buy large quantities, but you've got to store it, and then your money is sitting in a pile of hay. Right. Not everybody has that luxury. Exactly. So the other benefits to a pellet or a cubed forage using supplementally to add a different variety or maybe bring in higher calorie or high protein is I can pop down to the feed store every week or every couple of weeks and not have my money tied up. And if it comes in a bag with a tag on it, a guaranteed analysis, bag to bag to bag, we know it's going to be identical. Um, so there's kind of a management issue and financial issue that plays into feeding horses as well. So the convenience of pellets and cubes um, is, is good. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I know a lot of people who have older horses. I, I come from a therapeutic riding background and, you know, a lot of the horses are, are senior horses and maybe have some dental issues and they have some trouble Absolutely. eating hay. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of the listeners are in the same situation. So what about those horses who have trouble chewing? And that is the one category where, yeah, we we have to throw the long stem hay out the window, so to speak, because they physically cannot chew it. And then we're on a pelleted, cubed, chopped forage diet, whichever they can, whichever is the longest that they can manage. But what we need to remember is this, when we get pellets and cubes, we automatically think it's feed. And so if... If conservatively your 1,000-pound horse needs 1.5% of their body weight and they're no longer able in dry forage and they're no longer able to eat that long stem hay, I need you to feed 15 pounds of the pelleted forage now to get me that 1.5% of their dry matter intake. So So that that scares people. Yeah. Is that 15 pounds soaked or 15 pounds dry? No, dry. That's 15 pounds of dry matter. And then depending on how much water you want to put in it, whether it's a two-to-one ratio, we're looking at 30 (laughs) pounds of water that we're going to put in there. But the other thing is we need to then get out of our head how we how we meal feed horses and and think that okay this this is the hay I'm feeding it's in a pelleted form but this is the hay the horse is eating and I want him to have access to it more frequently and it's easier in the winter time especially if you don't live in a really cold climate because you can wet it and you can hang buckets and he's just going to graze on that all day long or you put it in a huge big muck tub uh, in the summertime you can't put as much wet pellets out in a one sitting because then the flies and it'll yeah. ferment and be gross. Yeah. But that's the main thing is when your horse is on a pelleted forage diet for medical reasons, age, whatever, you have to make sure you're feeding enough of it. Forget about thinking it's feed and look at it like this is the hay and I need to feed a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So so does, in, in a pelleted thing, does that same um, hindgut thing happen to help keep them warm? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. The bugs okay. are still digesting and fermenting that Good. fiber. Absolutely. It's more just the mechanics of the horse ab- actually just being able to get it down their throat and into the hindgut. Got it. Um, <laughs> if your horse isn't at risk of choking, then I still will provide them with maybe a flake of long stem hay, knowing they're going to chew it, ball it up, and probably drop it out of their mouth. But it's mental health. Right. It's like having your 90-year-old grandmother and allowing her to have the car in the driveway that she gets in and sits in, but she never drives anywhere, but she still owns a car, right? Yeah. But I, maybe. I still want my chocolate cake when I can't eat it anymore. Exactly. <laughs> I just exactly. want to smell it. I yeah, have exactly. a candle and it smells like mouth. chocolate cake. <laughs> but it, it sounds like, like just even the chewing process would help 
the teeth wear evenly, even if they don't yeah. swallow it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah. one more question for from me is, so so we've been talking about the forage. So when we change over to a winter feeding program, do our grains then need to be adjusted as well or not? So, depending on where you live, it then comes down to if it gets cold enough where you're at, and I don't have it right in front of me, but there are, there are, there are actual mathematical calculations on the amount of extra based on the temperature outside and how much it goes down, um, that how much extra calories a day you need over maintenance to maintain their body temperature in really cold weather. And if it's windy and if it's raining, it, if it gets worse. You get to a point where they physically, whether they've got teeth or not, cannot eat enough hay to maintain body weight. So at that point, you need to add in grain. If your horse wasn't eating grain, maybe they're on an all forage and a ration balancer type uh, program to start with, then you would need to add in some some real concentrate that's got higher calories to help them maintain their body weight. Otherwise, they're going to lose a lot of weight. Um, if your horse is a performance horse and they're on a high calorie grain already, then no, you don't really need to change it as long as you're exercising them. Most performance horses see the thing with most of our horses is they live inside and we completely take away the temperature change anyway because we put 5,000 blankets on them. If we have a (laughs) super luxurious bond, then we've got the heat on and it's why horses come out of winter sometimes heavier than they should. In the wild, horses would lose weight and that's completely fine. Now, if we have a senior horse, we don't want them losing weight because it's really hard, you know, to put weight back on them. But if you have a really fat horse and you're really struggling to get the weight off them, then use the winter. Use the winter. Use what you have. Well, Dr. Cubitt, every tool you can. Yeah. Yeah. This has been amazingly helpful. And I'm going to share this with my team. And I hope the listeners are going to, uh, you know, kind of evaluate what they've got going on. Thank you so much for coming on again. You're always so informative. And I really, really appreciate that. Not a problem. It's been a while. So I was excited to come back. And uh, let me give the website it's performancehorsenutrition.com. That hasn't changed, right? It has not. All right, performancehorsenutrition.com. Thanks, Dr. Cubitt. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, this uh, segment was sponsored by Daily Dose Equine. It offers a full line of handcrafted horse feeds to maximize the health and performance of horses and ponies of all ages. Each custom feed has been developed with whole grains and non-GMO ingredients to eliminate the risk of herbicide contamination. They are horse people themselves, and they've seen firsthand the difference that superior nutrition can have in our equine partners, including Scooter. We invite you to learn more about Daily Dose Equine's origins and to find a formula that perfectly fits your equine partner at dailydoseequine.com. Now you can buy it at Chewy and get it shipped for free. So Chewy has all of the products. That's where we get ours. Scooter eats the Carb Buster. He gets about two cups of that a day plus hay and free choice salt. So, you know, all his nutritional needs are met and he actually looks really terrific and he's feisty as ever. So uh, we know it works. Chewy.com is where you can get it and get it shipped all over the country to you for free. And we have a Chewy warehouse house right here, I could actually drive up and it would take me one minute to drive to the warehouse and pick it up. But they don't let me. So <laughs> I have to ship it out. Uh, well, I wanted to do something fun to end the show. Because uh, it's been a roller coaster of a show and kind of it emotional has been. show. <laughs> it has been. Yes. So I saw this article. Don't ask me how I found it. I don't know. Uh, it's called, a website that's called The Spruce Pets. Vet reviewed and pet approved, it says. I have never seen this website before. But they just did an article recently on the 10 best horse breeds for first-time owners and riders. And I thought, well, this should be good because this is not a horsey site, so to speak. Uh, I carry all products pet. And I thought, well, let's see if we agree. Let's see if we all agree with their top 10 picks, okay? Yeah, this this I can see a lot of um, discussion in the auditor room about this because I think it's going to be really controversial. All right. Well, then, in that case, all your complaints should be sent to Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. <laughs> she will throw those emails away. So, there you go. All right, let's start at number 10, which, what this author – by the way, let me give the author credit because she wrote it. Uh, let me find it. Catherine Blocksdorf. So Catherine wrote this. So let's see if we agree with Catherine. 
And Catherine, no offense. I mean, if we don't agree, it's just a personal opinion. Exactly. Uh, number 10 is draft crossbreds. Uh, or crossbreeds. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's basically any full-blooded draft and, you know, any crossbreed. And, you know, uh, in most cases, I would agree with this to be number 10, actually, because I've dealt with the, some of the draft crossbreeds, and everybody knows I love draft horses to begin with. But they te- if they tend to get the draft brain, you've got a pretty good horse. Yes. Yes. We have two draft crosses at Colby's Army. I love both of them. Well, I love every horse on the, on the planet, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, but now we're talking for newbies now. <laughs> I know, I know. But they're they're very sensible they and, and they're they're not spooky in general and they're very accepting and very patient in general. I'm sure that so, you know a couple of them got the brain of the the other side, uh, and not the draft horse side. Well, but, and it depends you know, on what you get a couple of those. But yeah, and it depends on what they're crossed with. So right. when when I was at a different therapeutic riding center, we had a thoroughbred uh, Belgian cross, and she was just nutty. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> there are individual exceptions to all rules. Yes. Uh, number yes. nine is the Clydesdale. I would have changed this to all draft breeds: Clydesdale, Percheron, Belgian. They're, you know, they're just. Yeah. You know, I've owned several. Uh, we were out over the weekend visiting with one of our listeners and went for a drive with some Frisians. And you know, I wouldn't recommend Frisians for new horse owners, no. by the way. No. Uh, but you know, she had some Clydesdales there. She had some Shires there, and they're just the sweetest horses. They really. They are. really are. I, I will say this though. I'll, on the other spectrum of things, they can be really rough to ride. They're not yes. bred for riding. And so if you're if you're learning to ride, I mean if you're a bigger person than than maybe, but I mean, my goodness, they have some ground pounding trots. Yes. And, and they're and they're not real balanced. <laughs> well, and so, they will move you along. Um. They will move yes. <laughs> yes. And and I love draft horses, don't get me wrong. But if you're learning to ride, I, I would question that. We used to enter our Percheron that was 18 two hands in the local dressage shows, and the thing used to win all the time. I love that. And it, it was, and it would used to, I could tell it just pissed everybody off that was in the class because this Percheron would come in and, and he just had a nice trot. Now we'd only do walk yeah. trot because Cantor was kind of. Right, dangerous yeah. uh, in a small <laughs> arena, but <laughs> with eighteen two, yeah, that's yeah. kind of tough. <laughs> so we're not disagreeing with number nine. Um, no. Number eight, Icelandic horse. I, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of personal experience with Icelandics. We've talked about them, and I know a lot of people have them. Um, you know, it says they're descended from Shetland ponies, which is a negative in my mind because everybody <laughs> buys a Shetland pony for a kid, and they're a lot of them are just. Yeah. handfuls you know, they're just, ponies yeah exactly. yes i own ponies i know <laughs> yeah yeah I, you know my I'm, I'm like you i've not had a lot of personal experience i had a student though who had icelandics and she loved them and just swore by them and said that they were you know really steady on their feet and and they lived a long life and and that they were not spooky and that they were they could they were versatile enough where they could go English or Western or whatever, and um, even though they're gated. Well, and the fact that they're gated is good for a beginner, right? So, you know, the first hand horse I ever rode was Tennessee Walker, you know, and I thought oh, wow. they were all like that till I got on a, you know, a walk, trot, canner <laughs> horse. And then I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but the other thing about these that make them good for beginners, too, is they tend not to be big. They're usually 13, 14 hands. So, right. You know, yeah. and they're deep chested and, you know, they got some bulk there. So it's kind right. of like riding a little baby Recliner. Yeah, but they're not so bulky that they they can't be athletic. Too. Yeah, it's not like the draft horse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Missouri Foxtrotter. You know, I don't know much about Missouri Foxtrotters except I think that a Missouri Foxtrotter is what uh, is what we talked about last week with the musician that was on, and he just loves those things. And and again, for a beginner, having you know having a Foxtrotter, uh, a horse yeah, a that's gated, you know, is good, right? I mean, well, yeah, and I've I've only worked with two and I will say I adored both of them and um, found them to be very sensible. One I did a lot of trail riding with and um, she was just rock solid and just, I mean, an easy ride and and I loved her. Uh, so I would agree with that. Yeah. And again, they tend not to be huge. They no. tend to be in the 14 to 15 and a half range. And again, with, with a little bit of substance. Right. Right. There Most of them. Kentucky yeah. Mountain Saddle Horse. Again, not a, one I know a lot about. I don't know a lot about that one either. And, um, you know, being in Tennessee, you'd think we'd have a lot more of them here, but we don't. 
Yep. So we're gonna we're gonna say yes, we agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, the Morgan. Now I have mixed feelings about this one um, because I've met some Morgans that were were great, and I've met some Morgans that were a handful. So I, you know, I don't I don't know enough, but I know people that have them, love them. Uh, and we yeah. just talked about Morgans the other day. We had a listener on that has Morgans. And you just don't see hear a lot about Morgans anymore in our no, area, and, anyway. And, and you know, I, when I was growing up, and Glenn, probably when you were growing up, the Morgan breed was very different than it is now. It was yeah, really I, I think so. stockier. And I think if you have a foundation bred Morgan where, you know, they're, they're a little shorter and squatter. I mean, a lot of the Morgans today that I see look more like saddlebreds. Yes. that's And that's what they've been going for. You know, yeah. you know, especially if they're on the show side at all. Yeah. Uh, um, but, but they're but hardy. They're, you they know, are. Yeah. They're hardy horses. And think, yeah. And for the most part, I think they've retained that sensibility. But I I kind of question that being a number five. I might move that down just a little bit. Yeah. That's just me personally. I probably would have put get... draft horses higher in this and a Morgan lower, in my opinion. Yeah. Gen- yeah. Again, complaints to Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> number four is the American paint. Well, you know, I know I'm going to get some hate mail for this. I mean, I kind of put the paints right up there with the quarter horses as ones that, yes, I would consider should be in the top five. You know, I think I think the the paint, the Appaloosa, and the Quarter Horse, yep. all those stock stock breeds should be grouped together. Yeah. Um. I, I think they have the found same foundation sires. Um. And and they're not the same breed anymore, but but they're very similar. Yeah, I agree. And so yes, this definitely should be in the top. Yeah. No question. Yeah. Number three, I have a problem with this one. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we need Jamie. Yeah, I think she would agree with me on this. We've t- talked yeah. about it enough, and Jennifer's ridden them enough. Thoroughbred is number three for for. Now remember, the list we're doing is for beginners. Yeah, I'm not agreeing with this one. Um, we've had you know we've had some bad experiences with people that were taking lessons from Jennifer that just went out and bought one without telling anybody right off the track. Yeah, uh, and getting hurt and you know I just I don't know how you feel, but I'm not I'm not seeing this one in the number three spot. I'm not saying it either. I, I think they're they're they've got special conditions. Number one, they they can be um, everybody knows that skinny thoroughbred, so they can be hard to manage. They can be hard to maintain. Their feet can be crappy. Um, they're super intelligent. They but I think which can they, be a negative in this case. <laughs> yes, that's that's just the thing, and they they can be very sensitive. So. And, you I know, think, I'm not hating on thoroughbreds. We've owned plenty of them over the years. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, it just, for what we're talking about here, wouldn't be my first choice. No. As a matter of fact, I'd probably have thoroughbred about number 15, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say in general, now, I've, I've worked with some therapeutic riding horses that are registered thoroughbreds. They've been fabulous, but they've been older. Um, they've, they've done other things before they got, uh, you know, to the therapeutic barn. But uh, in general, I would say, I'd agree with you, Glenn. And now number two, the one that's going to get us in trouble. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to read what she said about this and why she picked it to be number two. Okay. And that's the Arabian. So here's what she says. By reputation, Arabians are hot-headed or hot blood, blood, you know, hot bloods. Uh, They were known for being war horses with speed, endurance, and strength. Many Arabians are quiet and trustworthy. A quiet horse with a calm disposition is less likely to spook in startling situations. Generally, geldings are considered the calmest Arabians, and they make a good, (laughs) calmest of any horse. What are you talking about? And they make a good beginner horse, depending on the individual horse's temperament. Well, you can say that about anything, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. This one would not have been number two on my list. Not not number two for me either. And you know, here's the other thing, Glenn. I think it's so I when I was training show horses, I was part of the time I was training out of an Arabian barn. And I think a lot of it is not necessarily the breed, but how the breed is handled and what the horse learns to expect from people. And they learn to expect that they're supposed to be up and they're supposed to be, you know, they have that brilliant look and be a little bit on on the tip of their toes. Well, and so, that's true of any of those type, like hackneys or whatever, yes, right? Yes. Um, any, you know, I wouldn't recommend a hackney pony for a beginner no. or a child. You know, and I've had two now, so you know, I wouldn't recommend them. Though, you know, they're a handful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they have yeah. attitude, and they will let you know their attitude. Right. Um, and that's they're bred to have that attitude. I mean, yes, that's, that's what they're bred for. So it's not necessarily yes. the breed's fault, right? No, it's not no. the horse's fault. No. Uh, 
but but yeah, and and I love Arabians, but I I would not make that my number two choice for a beginner. No, that would be off the top ten in my opinion. But again, Jennifer at Horse Radio Network. Dot com. <laughs> for Jennifer, uh, and then number one, I totally agree with, in a hundred percent agree with. Do you? I do. Yeah, it's the I American do. Quarter Horse. I mean. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I, I get, you just when you get a when you get a well mannered quarter horse, you're good. You're good to go. <laughs> oh, you are good to go. And you know they are so versatile. And 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 I I lump the stock breeds kind of yes. in there together. Yeah. But but seriously, you can jump, you can rope, you can go cross country, you can do anything. You can have five kids, you know, <laughs> hugging on the horse's legs, and they're or just riding fine. them at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all with helmets. Yeah. Of of course, yeah, that's the pictures we see is the four lined up with helmets. That's what we see all the time. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing about them, too, is they tend not to be huge. So they're in the 14, 16 hand, but most of them are around 15 hands. Yeah. So they tend to be a good size for beginners, too. Yes, and not, not real bulky and well-balanced. So you know, it's just hard to ride a horse that's not balanced. And you, know, and you can for, throw an English, a Western saddle, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, it just it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with her on this one. So yep. I think we agreed with about 8 out of 10, maybe. So that's not too bad for us to or t- six or six. <laughs> <laughs> for us to see a list and actually agree with anything, we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I, that I'll was... be interested. I want to know what the listeners think. Yes, yeah. So I know there'll be comments about this in the auditor room. Yeah, there actually yeah. is some good articles in here about horses, but also dogs, cats, birds, small pets, all kinds of stuff. It's called the Spruce Pets. I've never heard of this before. Ran across it today, and there are a lot of uh, articles in there that you might want to check out. And I'll put a link to this one in the show notes, and then you can rip us apart for our comments about your breed of horse. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it for today. Hold on, auditors, though. We are going to be chatting a little bit about a new show coming to the network that somebody on this call happens to be hosting. So we're going to give you more details on that. Auditors are always the first to hear about the new things that are coming. And we want to welcome the Equine Network shows that are going to be joining us over the next couple of weeks. You heard about one of them today, The Score. You can go find that at any podcast player. And we look forward to having all of their shows and a little bit of Western joining the somewhat English Horse Radio Network. And uh, I've enjoyed working with everybody over there. I love their hosts, and I'm getting to know them a lot better. And we're, we're, we're helping to improve things a little bit sound-wise and show-wise and content-wise. So I think that we're going we're gonna to have a really, really good lineup of shows. By the time we're done, there'll be over 30. So, Yay! Yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting all of those ported over as well. Lisa, where can people buy your books? Uh, Amazon.com is the best place. Just type in my name, Lisa Wysocki, and they should all pop up. How do you spell your last name? Uh, W-Y-S-O-C-K-Y. And Lisa, is LisaWysocki.com still a thing? It is. Yeah, it's still a thing. So, yeah, hop on over there and and, uh, check it out. And we'll be back uh, again tomorrow. What is tomorrow? Tomorrow is Thursday. Yeah, the Equine Affair episode will be tomorrow, which will be fun because it's a wrap-up episode of Equine Affair. So she she apparently did some interviews there at Equine Affair, and she's, you know, she helps organize the thing, my co-host. So she's going to go over how it went, and we're going to get a full report on Equine Affair. I know a lot of our listeners were there as well. So I'm looking forward to that. And then Friday, Jamie will be back, and we'll be doing some really bad ads. So get your ads into jennifer at horseradionetwork.com and if you want to become an auditor just go to horseradionetwork.com click on the auditor banner on the right side of the page and you too can join the fun for as little as three dollars a month and half of that goes to the hosts here on the horse radio network shows so we appreciate you being part of this and we look forward to our post show today with some exciting news that well, actually i'm mad at lisa so we're gonna talk about that <laughs> 